The biggest takeaway from Auburn's scrimmage on Saturday, the quarterback controversy, it's not going anywhere. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy Sunday. It's the morning after. Daryl Daprich, Montgomery Radio Vet, hanging out with us. Of course, we'll do this every Sunday throughout the season. And Daryl, yesterday, we got to somewhat experience Auburn's first scrimmage of fall camp. They closed the media window Friday night due to weather. It was beautiful Saturday morning. And we got some reports, which is good. We got some reports from folks in attendance. But regardless of who you talk to, uh, it sounds like Holden Garner was exceptional yesterday. And there are some questions as far as, you know, did he do this against the other ones or, you know, who exactly he was operating with. But I do know that he got some reps, at least one series with the ones where he dro- drove the ball down the field and they ultimately scored. But just talking to a few folks that got to watch the entire scrimmage, Holden Garner, clearly, clearly the best quarterback on Auburn's roster on Saturday. You know, it, it, that's not, I know that it, that's going to surprise a lot of people to hear that. But if you go back, yeah, if you go back to last year, and we watched him throw, and people were talking about how the ball comes out of his hand better than anybody else. He can really spin it. And then yeah. this year in fall camp, we've heard some things as well. Maybe he was discounted or kind of too, too much of an afterthought after spring ball prematurely. And I know that you know some of his film coming out of high school, he made elite throws. I know Trent Dilfer loved him, the, the quarterback guru. He puts the ball in tight windows. Now, again, it remains to be seen. We don't know exactly in what formations this came out of and, and, and what defenses this – was it the ones, was it the twos? But the fact that he's generating this much buzz is surprising that it's this late in the quarterback battle and he is. But then again, when you look at some of the attributes and we watched him throw, uh, that's a positive thing in my opinion. I mean, he's he, he's got – the ball leaves his hand and it comes out of his hand. From the eyeball test, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like from you know, from start to finish, he was the best quarterback. Sounds like Robbie Ashford had the best moment where he left the pocket and threw on the run. And one person I talked to said it was Mardner, but then I talked to two people that said it was Coy Moore. And so um take that for what you will. But he threw a touchdown pass on the run, and it was apparently an NFL level beautiful, beautiful pass. And that that's that's what Robbie Ashford is, right? I mean, you get these moments where it's like, man, just give me a, those a little bit more often and you would be unstoppable. And then it sounds like he would overthrow folks or underthrow folks and not that other quarterbacks didn't, but it's just as far as the consistency is kind of what you're wanting from Robbie Ashford. Cause we all know, we all know what his upside is. And he showed that he showed that on Saturday. You know, that that's the thing is if there's if the consistency word, if Robbie Ashford can, can show consistency through fall practice and through fall camp and through the games, then he becomes your clear-cut favorite because that's the only thing he had to do to get out of his out of his way. The, the flashes were elite. The legs are elite. The arm strength when he really lets it go and how he can improvise athleticism 
yes. on the run, his toughness, his warrior mentality, all that elite. It's the consistency and sometimes the simple plays, the, the, the mundane, the routine stuff. You get that cleaned up, and we wouldn't have been talking about a quarterback competition. I don't think we would have brought a quarterback in if that Agreed. was. And so that that's the whole thing. Look, I trust this coaching staff. Okay, I want to preface this by saying people need to understand where you and I come from on this this angle of quarterbacks. I want the best possible representative quarterback choice for Auburn to put them in position to win. This narrative that there's somebody we would be rooting for or that we don't like is a joke. And quite frankly, it's insulting. I don't care if it's a Martian named Joe Blow. If he puts Auburn in the best position to win, God bless him. That's who I want. So I trust the coaching staff, not Daryl Daprich, not Zach Blackerby. We're not the coaches. Who I would want, although there is, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't want anybody. But if I did, it doesn't matter. I'm not a coach. The coaching staff's going to make that decision, and I trust them so much more than what we had last year. And then I also trust them to put who's ever in that position, Holden, Robbie or Peyton Thorne to be better and get coached effectively. And for me, it's a win-win. I don't care name, number, who it is. Just put somebody out there that's going to help Auburn win. Yeah. And then just to kind of wrap up the three quarterbacks, sounds like Peyton Thorne left a little bit to be desired on the field yesterday. Uh, I was told, I was kind of being texting some play-by-play of what was going on. It sounds like Jay Fair dropped a touchdown pass or something that would have been a touchdown pass. And then same for Rivaldo Fairweather. And then Hugh Freeze commented on it. He he said that they caught it out of bounds. So I don't know if those were separate things, if those were the same things. I'm not exactly sure, but it sounds like they were close, but you know, close doesn't always get you there. And that's something where we're just not privy to being able to actually see the film. So we just kind of got to take it through secondhand sources in some cases. So we'll see exactly what that means. But Daryl, let's let's try to decipher something mm -hmm. if you don't mind it we'll jump into more of what Hugh Freeze said later in the show but the most interesting thing he said to me when he was asked about quarterbacks because today Sunday is the 10th day and he kind of put out there that he's got 10 days to narrow it from three to two he was asked about that and he said no the day before the scrimmage he was certain he had a good idea of who the two were going to be and then he said after the scrimmage he's like I'm not sure anymore so who do you think that means? Because it sounds like it's pretty much unanimous. Anybody that you talk to is at the scrimmage or involved in the scrimmage. They're all about Holden and Garner was exceptional. Do you think Do you think that means he was considering dropping out, Holden out of the race, and it would have been a Peyton and Robbie thing moving forward? Then, Hayden, uh, then Holden's play yesterday kind of showed them, hey, I deserve to be in this competition still. What, decipher that for me. What do you think Hugh Freeze was actually saying? Well, before I do that, it's a very important. I'm so glad you mentioned it the way you did. There is, there's, you deciphered it right. And we need to kind of, there is this kind of narrative, or I think people really misunderstood what Hugh Free said. So I'm glad you clarified that. He was not talking about the starter being named. And some people have jumped on that and assumed that's what he meant and gotten that wrong that he meant, oh, I had my mind made up of who was going to be our quarterback. Now I have to know. It wasn't who the quarterback was going to be. It's who he was going to pare it down to the and last that's what the question that's was. A, yeah, that's yeah. an important differentiation that some people are getting wrong, and I wanted to clarify that. In my opinion, it means exactly what you said. I think 
just like we kind of wrote Holden Gurner off after the spring by some of the things we heard, not from our own biases, but just from people inside the complex. You didn't hear his name that much after spring. You assumed yeah. that when Peyton Thorne came in, it was a Peyton Robbie show. That was going to be the battle. We all kind of were guilty of that. I think now Holden Gurner has forced the issue of the coaching staff to say, I'm not ready to pare it down to two. That's what I take from it. I, I think we need to leave this open a little bit longer. He's made enough plays. He's turned enough heads. He's forced the coaching staff to not be ready to make a decision to pare it down to two with his play in fall camp in the scrimmage. That's what I took from that. I, I think I think you still have to narrow it from three to two. And the next open window, we'll look at the schedule coming up, but the next open window is Tuesday. And that's when we'll get more information, probably, maybe before that. We'll see. But in regards to you know, being a head coach, and this is what Hugh Freeze asked for, you got to make tough decisions. And at some point, these reps are going to get more and more valuable as we get closer and closer to the season. Because having three quarterbacks, while it's nice for depth, it doesn't always necessarily help you with football games. And so you need to really develop the two guys that you think are going to be first and second team and, you know, give some love to the third string guy because you never know what's going to happen. And also you need to develop a program and develop guys for the future if you feel like he's going to be here. But I think you got to make the decision, Daryl. I think, and it doesn't matter which two it is. If you think Peyton left, you know, nothing to be desired in the scrimmage and that's concerning, if you think the two are Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner, I think you need to make that decision and cut it from three to two. Will we? I don't know. Are we owed that information? No, we're not. But our job is to speculate on what we think is going to happen. And I do think he will narrow it from three to two, Daryl. It may just not be the exact uh, the exact two that we thought it would be. Well, I'm going to go ahead and state the obvious. I'm going to, you know, you talk about it's our job to analyze it. I'm going to just be transparent and say that the longer he leaves it open with three dudes and doesn't pare it down to two, in my mind, that tells me that Holden Gurner – I mean, why else do you leave the competition open and leave three dudes in it unless Somebody. Holden Gurner has a chance to win the job? You or, don't. Or the other side of the coin is Peyton hasn't grabbed it. And you got to think Peyton's been given the opportunity to grab and seize the job, and it just doesn't sound like he's been there every step of the way. I still think he's going to end up getting it, but based on what we heard yesterday, I don't know. I think it's a little cause for concern. This could be also, again, I, I don't, we're not in the, the the mind of a head coach or knowing sometimes sure. they play these little games or they have these little motivation tactics to get people to separate themselves. Yeah. New Freeze may know or may feel strongly about who the quarterback's going to be and use these type of situations to get that guy to get motivated a little bit to get that separation, just to not let him get too comfortable and feel like the job is his and take it for granted, work a little harder. He could be using this to strategize and say, okay, I want to push him a little bit, so I'm going to leave this job open, or I'm going to make this statement that I got to go back to film, yeah. and then and then that person that needs to get separation or hasn't grabbed it by the by the horns does that on Monday and Tuesday because of that little push. Who yeah. knows? You know, coaches play head games all the time, and they use the meat. Well, the good ones do anyway to use the media to get that across. All right, Brian Batty, boy, he could be a star based on what we heard from Saturday. We discussed that and more next coming up on Locked On Auburn. 
Today's show brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And boy, I mean, Auburn fans should know better than anybody the impact of hiring the right guy after maybe hiring the wrong guy. It can be very costly. It can be very, very devastating to your business. It really just sets you back. And obviously, I'm talking about football here, but I mean, it's like this in every type of business, especially a small business. So LinkedIn Jobs, they help you find the qualified candidates that you actually want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Daryl Daprich, our guest on today's Locked on Auburn, every single Sunday throughout the season, Daryl and I will be here every Sunday morning to recap what happened the day or evening before. Brian Batty, Sounds like he was incredible, impossible to tackle, was so good at getting... He, it sounds like he has a knack, Daryl, of getting outside the tackles and then just kind of making situations tough for Auburn's defensive backs in yesterday's scrimmage. 20-yard run, 20-yard run, he'd bust another run. I mean, it sounds like he was all over the place yesterday. You know... I, we've talked about how Auburn's running back room is the top two position group right there on this roster. And uh, even with Jar Jarquez Hunter missing some time in practice and all the speculation with that, it's why I've said Brian Batty can be a feature back. He can. Mm -hmm. He did it at South Florida. We're not talking about having to go too far down the pecking order to get a guy to become the feature back that has experience, has explosiveness. I have read numerous preseason scouting reports, magazines, articles that said he was one of the best transfer portal gets in the country. And this is a guy that came in to presumably be a backup, and he's one of the best gets in the country. I think that people are going to really, really be surprised and enjoy the production regardless with how many games, you know, regardless with Hunter being running back number one, Batty's going to get his touches, and he's going to do some damage. And he he's not – I felt like he was going to be like a specialty back, right? He was going to do certain too. things. He can be a guy that carries the rock for you 15 times a game. He can. He's done it before. He could do it again, if need be. Now, you don't want him to do that. You'd prefer him get 10 carries a game and catch some passes out of the backfield. He's electric with swing passes and screen passes and that kind of thing. But he can be. He can be. And then after that, Damari Austin looked good. And you've got Cobb that's good. So the running back room is in great hands. And I was the only reason why I was concerned, Zach, was we had heard some injury issues with him, right, that he was nursing. Looks like and sounds like he came back from those with a vengeance. And that is a huge positive outlook for Auburn. Yeah, it sounds like the entire running back room was impressive yesterday. Damari Austin had one one source said it was a 50-yard run. Another one said it was like a 65-yard run. Regardless, it was from a long way away. He busted a big one, and that was certainly uh, certainly part of it. Jarquez Hunter, sounds like he had a good run up the middle. That was really one of the few runs that was up the middle. All the other explosive runs were on the outside is what it sounds like, which is probably another concern that we should talk about down the road as far as, you know, is Auburn's run defense actually okay? I think that's something that we need to talk about down the road, but we'll focus on more of the positive stuff today. Jair Shorter, uh, heard good things about Jair Shorter at wide receiver. Sounds like Shane Hooks made some big plays at wide receiver as well. So 
Those are, you know, two of the guys that we were expecting to hear more of throughout fall camp. And that's exactly what happened in the first scrimmage, Daryl. Yeah, I don't want to sound, I don't want to hit the panic button. We talked about this after a day because of the wet footing. We didn't think that the edge guys and the linebackers and the safety were doing a good job of holding the edge because Auburn's backs had a field day at mm -hmm. a day bouncing stuff outside. I mean, whether it was Hunter or Austin or Batty, they just absolutely got outside, and that's where most of the yards were gained. Well, I was a little bit concerned then that Auburn wasn't setting the edge defensively, and we heard things like, well, wet conditions. You know, if that's still happening through scrimmages and that kind of thing, that's got to get shored up, and they've got to put people at jack, at edge, at safety that can hold the edge because otherwise SEC backs have the ability to bounce it outside and I would be at that point a little bit concerned with Auburn's run defense. Very, very excited to hear about some of the reports coming out with receivers, guys like Hooks with yards after the catch, supposedly caught a slant at about six yards and turned it into a 30-yard gain. I love that. I love the slant game. That's one thing Auburn hasn't done. We were screaming for years, use the middle of the field, use some slants, especially down inside the 10. If hooks and shorter and guys like that can catch balls six, seven yards in on a slant pattern and get 15 to 20 after the catch, I love it. It's going to be a tremendous attribute to Auburn's offense. So, yeah, I also heard there were some pretty stinking big holes that the offensive line was opening up as well. I don't know about – I think you would have a little bit more insight because uh, you asked the question of you Freeze of – rush pass rush i mean i don't know mm -hmm. if auburn was getting push and was getting any kind of rush i know that's a concern as well yeah yeah for sure and and hugh free said some interesting things when i asked that question we'll touch on in a second uh, as far as like other winners today elijah McAllister sounds like he had a really really good scrimmage he got a few sacks he got a pass breakup i think he had a few tackles for loss so elijah McAllister is a guy um that stepped up in a big way Yesterday, I certainly loved that. It also sounds like Lawrence Johnson had a pretty big day yesterday, which is a name that we haven't really talked about a ton other than he's in that first rotation after the starters come in on the defensive line. But yeah, props to Lawrence Johnson. Sounds like he had one or two really big tackles for a loss yesterday. Got a lot of snaps on a defensive line at Purdue playing big boy football in the Big Ten. Yep. So, you know, these are guys that when you, you get all excited about them, when they become transfers, I know I did in the transfer portal, you can't forget about them once you hear their name, maybe number two on the depth chart. You know, the, the excitement doesn't need to fade away. And go. This is a guy that can emerge and really kind of force his will. He played, again, at Purdue in the Big Ten against great competition. He could eat up space and help. And we need to remember that just as excited as we were when we got him in the portal, he's a contributor. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I asked you freeze two questions, Daryl, in his press conference where he spent a little bit of time with us afterwards. I want to touch on both of those questions and his answers. Get your thoughts on what he said in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Daryl, I asked, like you said, about the pass rush, and I was expecting him to kind of highlight a specific player or say, hey, it needs to get better or get worse. But his answer was very quick. He said, Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings are two of the best pass rushers. So we are so far at, we are so much better now than we were after the spring because we added those two guys. But then he added the note, Daryl, that we're going to see in third down packages and pass rush packages, 
both of those guys on the field, which I'm like, I don't know why you're telling us that, but that's good info. So that that's going to be something that we might see um, in the coming weeks and in third and long situations, seeing both of those guys on the field at the same time. It's so encouraging because we kind of felt that way with McLeod. When you got him from App State, he came in very hyped, very physical specimen, had great, great, great game against Texas A&M. Steven Sings was a little bit under the radar. We mentioned him. Didn't he sit in the portal ago. for a long time? He did sit in the portal for a long time. And you were talking about possible edge guys. Remember, we ranked them. We ranked guys that we wanted to see. And this is a kid from Liberty that was coached before. He's familiar with Garrett. And so yeah. they knew his skill set. But if you go back and look at his stats at Liberty, they were pretty good. I mean, you know, he had some tackles for loss. He had some some sacks. He had the body type. I think he's only a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that there's some potential there. The fact that he's come in and it's translated to this level in a scrimmage and in fall camp, think of the depth now that you have at that position, which was a major area of concern coming out of the spring, just like you free said. And now you've shorted up with McLeod and Sings because you had McAllister I believe, in the spring. I think you did. I think he'd already popped. You did. Yeah, he came so, in December. Yep. So McLeod and Sings were guys that were added later. These are dudes that are later additions, and he they're being talked about and singled out at a press conference. I think that's good, and I think that speaks volume about where that room is right now. Yeah, Auburn has Sings listed as a junior, but he could be a retro sophomore. Who knows? So all that stuff is so weird, the way they class that. But he's got a few years left, which is encouraging. It's not a guy that has to pop this year, but Number 18 on the edge looks a little funny, but I'm all for it. It's kind of takes some getting used to seeing a number 18 rushing the passer. It's kind of funny. The other question I asked you, Freeze, was about linebacker. We heard Coach Roberts last week kind of say, yeah, there's a lot of dudes, but nobody's really separated themselves yet. And so I asked Coach Freeze, I'm like, who stood out at linebacker? Any separation there? And he said, Larry Nixon the third, which is... Probably a good thing because he's the most experienced linebacker in the room, but we hadn't really seen him next to Austin Keys as much as we expected to. But now this first scrimmage, after this first scrimmage, is starting to get a little bit more real. And so maybe it's starting to click. Maybe it's starting to get more comfortable in what this defense is supposed to look like. Um, I mean, because he spent so much time at North Texas and he's got to re-up his life and then come over here. So um, I thought that was a good thing. I thought it was good to hear a little bit about Larry Nixon the third. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he was going to be an immediate contributor when he when we got him in the portal. Attacking. He's got to be. I mean, it's his last year of eligibility. He's got to yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy that I think that I penciled in as a starter along with Keys. You know, now I'm hearing Asante is ascending. Say that real fast three times. I think he's really ascending coming Ascending Asante. Ascending Asante. And then, but Nixon is a guy that when we when, when Auburn got him in the trench bar, I was like, oh, there he is, plug and play. He's a starter. Go look at his film. He's a tackling machine. He goes to the football very, very well. He he breaks down. He doesn't have a lot of missed tackles. He's really good in space. So I'm not surprised. And maybe it just took him a little bit of time to catch on, uh, to get comfortable, to get acclimated. But I'm very excited about him and thought that he was going to be counted on. Or like again, after like game two, I predicted in one of your we were remember we were talking about all these linebackers were going to play a lot against UMass. And then we're going to have mm -hmm. to start pairing it down at one point. I felt like by game two or three, Nixon would be your starter, would be one of your starters. Who's Who are the two starters against UMass? Keys, Keys and Nixon is who – oh, in, against UMass, Keys and Asante is who I think will trot out there. Okay. Got it.
And then I think Cam Riley and Nixon get get a lot of snaps as well. Uh, I think Cam Riley got a sack yesterday. I think he sacked Robbie, maybe. I'm not sure, but he he got a sack, which I thought was good because he wasn't really used to like rush the passer at all. Um, Freeze did give some updates on injuries. Which I never know like when you're allowed to talk about that stuff or not. So I'm glad that he said this. So we're just quoting him. Steiner has a hamstring issue. Coy Moore's been battling an ankle issue. Camden Brown, he just said it was bad luck. So it sounds like a lot of different things, possibly some nagging things. Uh Javaris Johnson, he talked about having stitches in his mouth. There was something that happened at practice where he had to get stitches in his mouth, and it's just uncomfortable. Malcolm Johnson Jr. has been battling a shoulder injury. And then Austin Keys has been battling a shoulder injury. So Take that for what it's worth. Take that for what it's worth. As far as what's coming up in Auburn's fall camp, they are off today. They're off on Sunday. On Monday, they will have practice, and all we will get for media purposes is player interviews after practice. And then on Tuesday is when we get our next viewing window, and then we'll talk to the offensive assistant coaches after that. And then Wednesday, Daryl, is first day of classes at Auburn. So there will be no practice, no media, just kind of focusing on first day of class. And then on Thursday, we get um, Thursday, we get coach freeze as a pre- at a presser. And I bet we get some quarterback news there. Just a hunch, just a guess. And we'll also get a viewing window that evening. So that's kind of what we're looking at over the next few days of fall camp, Daryl. Exciting time. Interesting. I think that, I think the takeaway from all of this is something you touched on earlier in the podcast, and that was, will Hugh Freeze pare this down from three to two by Monday? He said mm. he was going to look at film. Tuesday, when will that happen? How soon will he go from three to two, and who will it be? That is the most intriguing storyline coming out of fall camp early next week, I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll cover it every step of the way, every single day at Locked on Auburn. Click that subscribe button. Like the video. Helps us out a ton. Daryl, how can people support you, brother? Uh, Follow me on Twitter, DAP6410. If you click that link down there for the Discord, we will interact in the Discord, the Locked on Auburn Discord. Love it. Love having the uh, opportunity to uh, communicate with some of the listeners and viewers. Yeah, yeah. Follow me on socials at ZBlack. And we read all of our written work at AuburnDaily.com. Until tomorrow, we'll see you. This has been Locked on Auburn.